What a beautiful presence of God. What a beautiful presence of God. Who are we that he would visit with us in such a way? Who are we that the God of heaven and earth would say, I love you. I want to talk to you. I want to have relationship with you. I am so blessed to be here this weekend. Sister Kathy and your ladies, thank you for a magnificent ladies camp. We had a wonderful time. God moved. Some of you men are getting changed wives, I think. It's very exciting. Not scary at all. <laughs> it was really, really good. We had a wonderful time together. I bring greetings from the United Pentecostal Church of Lindbrook. Um, brother and sister Hogben send their love. They love all of you. Um, I love your pastor and his wife. I love you people. I have always had a heart for this church because this is where I first received my call. About 17 years ago, I was asked to speak, just 20 minutes. I was petrified and shaking. And I went home to where I was staying that night and God gave me a vision. And God doesn't give me visions. God doesn't talk to me that way. So when he did that, I knew something serious was going on. And God said to me, I've called you to preach. And I said to him, no, no, I'm marrying a preacher. I don't want to be a preacher. And God said, you trust me. You trust me and I will bring you through. And I have been blessed to have had pastor after pastor look after me and nurture me and train me and bring me through. We serve a good God. I do not take this pulpit lightly. I have fasted and prayed and I believe I have a word from, for you from God. Turn with me to the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, beginning at verse 20. The book of Lamentations, chapter 3, beginning at verse 20. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. The word of God. Let us pray this evening. Jesus, we thank you, God, for your presence in your house. We thank you, God, that you so clearly want to do something with your people this evening. Lord, I pray that you would speak. 
God, not this vessel of clay, but let your voice be heard. In Jesus' name, we ask you, God, that you would anoint the message. We thank you, God, that your word is already anointed. We pray, Lord, that you would have your way this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago, I was in church, sitting where you are, and I was talking to God, just in my mind, not out loud, so I didn't look totally like a crazy person. God spoke to me, and my message tonight, it came from that conversation that I had with the Lord. God talks to me, not at my convenience, sometimes at the strangest times, always when my mind is quiet, but God speaks. In the years I have walked with the Lord, I have come to recognize his voice. I have become clearer when it is the Lord, when it is his still small voice, that it's not me, my own flesh, or even the devil, because we have an enemy that is after us. And I know Jesus speaks with many of you. When God speaks, I do not forget. The words linger, and the impact is felt weeks into my future, because our God is unlimited. He has no boundaries. We try to figure him out. And in doing so, I think we can make the mistake of limiting him. But our Jesus Christ, he is Alpha and he is Omega. The very beginning and the very end. He is everywhere. He is all the time. This is the God we serve. We walk on the ground that he created and still we underestimate how great Jesus is. So I was talking to God and I was complaining. <laughs> you know how you can have a bad day or you have a bad week? I was having a bad year. I was asking God why. Why have you allowed this? Why are you putting me through this? And God answered me with a song. It's an old one that some of you will recognize. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies, they never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. And God said to me, my mercies are new every morning. I am teaching you to rely on me every morning. Every day you need me. There is not a moment that you can be without me. Every breath that you take, you need me. I am teaching you to rely on me. You see, church, I have always known intellectually that I need Jesus Christ. I was brought up in a church. I came into the truth when I was about 17. And we are taught in church, God first, you need God. But then trials come, and they will come 
to every life, whether through sickness or death or loss or rejection or heartbreak, trials come and what has been a lovely teaching in Sunday school must become reality. I need Jesus Christ. We must take knowledge and we translate it into experience. So I was having an interesting few months, but I was learning to rely on God for my next breath. It was not a comfortable or a happy place, but I can tell you right now, I promise you, without a word of a lie, every time I thought I was going to break, he showed up. Every time I said, God, this is too much for me, he showed up. That is the God we serve. I need him every day. Don't get me wrong. If I had a choice, I would always be comfortable and happy. I would have never lost my dad in an accident. I would never be sick. I would never have someone hurt me with their words or their actions. But God puts us through these things to teach us that He is more than enough for you and for me. Hallelujah, God. In every situation, in every trial, no matter what my emotional state, God is more than enough for me. He is the best. He is the only answer. So I looked up the words of the song, knowing it came from the Bible. His mercies are new every morning. Now, the Bible doesn't talk about newness in the sense that we start from the beginning every morning, but rather that God's mercy is always there for us, new every morning. Imagine my surprise when I did my research and I found this scripture in the book of Lamentations. The very name of this book, Lamentations, it tells us that the writer is expressing grief over something. To lament, it's an old-fashioned way to say, I am sorrowing, I am weeping, I am crying. So I studied and I discovered that Lamentations is a collection of five poems, five chapters, all mourning the destruction of Jerusalem. The poems are more than just a sad story. They express heart-wrenching grief and remorse for sin that caused the downfall of God's people. The writer yet expresses an undying hope in God's promises and faithfulness. Most scholars credit Jeremiah as the writer of Lamentations. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because of the things he had to prophesy about. Jeremiah writes after the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. Now the man of God was more than just a historian. He was an eyewitness. He was watching these things take place. First, he had to predict the destruction that was taking place. Next, he watched it take place. And now, with grief, he is looking back. 
Jeremiah pours out his emotions in compassion for the people of God as he watches them forced to inhabit a foreign land. Israel were refugees with all the poverty, with all the loss, with all the destruction that comes with that situation. There is a beautiful symmetry to the book of Lamentations. In chapter 1, Jeremiah mourns for Jerusalem and Judea as it lays in ruins because of the raid by Babylon. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, How lonely sits the city that was full of people. She has become like a widow who was once great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a forced laborer. In chapter 2, Jeremiah describes God's judgment on the wicked, just as he warned. Chapter 2, verse 3 says, In fierce anger, he has cut off all the strength of Israel. He has drawn back his right hand from before the enemy. It's in chapter 3 that Jeremiah reminds us that God is faithful, that he will restore, that whatever promises have been made, God will still bring these to pass. It is here at the very heart of the poem that we read Jeremiah's strong conviction about God's constant love. In chapter 4, we read that God brought justice and punishment for sin. And in chapter 5, we read that a repentant heart is what is needed to turn back to God. So Lamentations chapter 3, reading verses 22 and 23 again. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. When you consider the surrounding verses of devastation and destruction and loss, Lamentations chapter 3 is one of the most touching expressions of faith in the one true God, our God. No matter what we go through, no matter what comes against us, understand that God has promised His mercies, they are new every morning. Now we all have a beginning in the Lord. There comes a time when we must make a choice for or against Jesus Christ. There is no fence sitting in God's kingdom. There really isn't. And I tell you now, this life that you and I have in God, it is the best life there is. Best life there is. My husband and I, we run a university group back in Melbourne. And we were doing testimonies. And one of the young guys said to us, you know, you don't understand how much God is protecting you until you speak to someone who does not know him. And then you realize, yes, we live in a world where things come against us, but the level of protection and love that surrounds us, it makes all the difference. They are suffering without Jesus. And we have him. We have the answer. Now Jesus said to the apostle Peter, you have the kingdom. You have the keys to the kingdom. 
It was Peter who stood up full of the Holy Ghost and declared in Acts chapter 2 verse 38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So be we begin with God. We make a choice and we begin right. As God's word commands, we repent. We tell Jesus we are sorry for our sins and we mean it. God is not looking for perfection. Don't think you need to clean yourself up before you get to Him. All God wants is genuine sorrow for the things you have done wrong. Then we choose to be baptized in Jesus' name. The name of Jesus, the blood of Christ, it covers us. Nothing compares to that assurance. Absolutely nothing. It seals us. It keeps us. Nothing like it. And then we receive the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. This is easy. It is a gift already given to you. You lift your hands. You close your eyes. You use your outside voice. And you worship God. And you let Him touch you. And God will fill you with His Spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. We don't earn this thing. It is a gift from God. And I will never, I will never turn my back on the Word of God. So having begun right, we now grow in Jesus. In one of my favorite verses in the book of Isaiah, God promises you and I that he will be with us through the fire and through the flood. So the fire and the flood, they're coming. But God is with us every step of the way. God has given humanity the option to choose to love him and live for him or to choose their own desires. And many, many, too many, still choose their own flesh. Sin has resulted in a broken and hurting and dying world, and we have to live in this world. So our lives right now, they are not perfect, but God is with us every step of the way. You and I, we need to remember that there is a battle going on. All through this weekend, the ladies, we were told, you're warriors. You're warriors. You see, when we were saved, the preacher told us, it wasn't so that we could jump into a cruise ship. It's a battleship that we're in. We're in a battle. There is a war going on, and we are warriors. My pastor once preached a sermon that I have never forgotten. It really hit me. He called it the devil's trophies. And he said, Satan is not interested in people who are outside of these walls already making bad choices. He's not interested in them. They're already messing up their lives. Satan wants to bring down you and I, those of us who are walking for God. If the devil can get one of us, to fall. 
we become a trophy for him. And I remember listening to my pastor's words and, think, and getting angry and thinking, you will not make me a trophy, Satan. And I stand on that. I have come too far to turn back now. We know who our God is and we have come too far to turn back now. The forces of darkness war against us, but they are already defeated. We have God by our side. He is with us in all things. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's very easy, you know. Sometimes I think we complicate things. You read the word of God. You pray every day. You fast unto him. Come to church every time you can. You read the Word of God, you pray every day, you fast, you come to church. You read the Word of God, you pray every day, you fast, you come to church. God will keep you. God will keep you. You do these things and He sees that you want relationship with Him and He will respond. He will talk to you. He will cover you. When you say to Him, I've had enough, He will come in and lift you up and say, it's okay, child. I've got you. God loves you. He loves each and every one of you, and he is there for you. So what am I trying to say? I quote Lamentations when I tell you, it is of the Lord's mercies that I am not consumed because his compassions fail not they are new every morning great is his faithfulness in january of this year i had just preached we had a beautiful service and we closed in prayer and i collapsed and my husband came and got me and we went to the hospital and i was bleeding internally and from January, this started a journey of about five months of tests and medication. And we don't know what's going on. And we don't know why this is happening to you. And being unable to go to work because the blood loss had gotten me so weak. And um, going to the emergency room so many times that it became like a second home to us. It was very interesting to me because I like... Um, to have things under control. I like my lists. I like to get things done. But my own body was forsaking me. I was so frustrated. I was so angry. And I was so upset. And this was the prayer that I prayed. And I said, God, why is this happening to me? And he said, you will learn that you need me every day, every day, every breath, every moment, every second. You need me. And he was there for me. He was there for me. We ran some tests. They finally, months later, doctors are great. 
months later, they said, oh, there's a growth in you. We need to get it out of you. It was debilitating. It wasn't terminal. So don't feel too sorry for me. I was okay. <laughs> and I finally got a surgical date. And the week leading up to the surgery, instead of feeling relief, the devil came at me. And Satan said to me, you think Jesus loves you? Why did he not heal you? Why has he not healed you miraculously? And I had to stand on the word of God and say, my God is a healer. But if he chooses to solve my problem through surgery, that's what's going to happen. When Satan attacks me, I'm not saying he does this to you, he makes me question how much God loves me. That is dangerous because Jesus gave us everything. He went to a cross for us. He suffered and he died for us. He loves you completely. You never have to question it. The devil is a liar. So the day of my surgery came and my husband was with me and they wheeled me in and they knocked me out. So I've got no idea what happens next, except the fact that Daniel told me this. I came out of the surgical room with the surgeon, and the surgeon looked at Daniel, and he said, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. She's perfect. That was the word that they used. Her body is perfect. And I woke up and Daniel told me, can I say, it took me weeks to understand that my God had miraculously healed me? Who does that? Jesus Christ does that. He can do anything for you. He can do anything for you. I had a lady in church come up to me and say, why did he put you through that? If he was going to miraculously heal you after five months, why did you have to go through the five months? And I said to her, you know what? I know him now like I did not know him before. I trust him now like I did not trust him before. It is sad, I think, that we need these trials to show us who our God is, but at the same time, do not despise your trial. Instead, you pray, as we heard this weekend, ladies, you pray, God, show me what you're trying to teach me. And when you come out of it, I guarantee there will be victory. I guarantee you will be stronger. You will be better. You will be able to look at the sky and go, my Lord and my God, you are my everything and my all. I'm coming to a close. I've had an interesting year, but it has been worth every second. There were moments when in my prayer time, I just went to prayer and I said, God, I'm just here for me tonight. I can't really pray about anything else because I'm, I'm at breaking point. And that's okay. His mercies are new every morning. You hold on to him. 
I don't know what you're going through, but you hold on to him. He is your answer. You hold on to him. Jesus Christ, yesterday, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, God's mercies are new every morning. I do not know your battles, but Jesus does. Your pastor is not able to be there to see every tear that you shed, but Jesus sees. Your pastor's wife may listen to your problems, but Jesus is the answer. God is in his church this evening, and he is ready to meet with you.